Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today on the Diesel Podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube and aren't subscribed, make sure and click the subscribe button, like, comment, let us know what you think about the episode. If you have any questions or a request for a particular guest or topic that you want covered, we're always checking comments on YouTube and love to be able to take your guys' suggestions and then work them into future episodes. Today I'm going to be joined by Mark from Amsoil, and I wanted to talk with him about fuel products and specifically fuel treatment and why it's so important for older trucks, newer trucks, the challenges that exist, not just with fuel quality, but when all diesel went to ULSD however many years ago and what kind of challenges that uh, that can provide for being able to get the proper lubricity and other things to make sure that we don't damage our fuel systems, which we've done a lot of podcasts about how expensive those can be. And so I wanted to get a better understanding of ways we can treat it year round and then also if you live in a climate where it snows, prevent it from gelling and be able to not be stranded. So it's going to be a great conversation. Before we get to it, though, I want to remind you our friends over at Kershaw Knives have a 20% off site wide code for you. Use code 23diesel20 at kershaw.kaiusa.com. It's a great way to save some money, get some really cool gear. If you need something for hunting, fishing, EDC, something to throw in a toolbox um, or have around the house. I got a bunch of new products this year. The latest is the Duralock models, which it's a blade that uses D2 steel. The opening mechanism is super smooth, keeps your fingers away from the blade when you open and close it. So definitely make sure if you're in the market to head on over to their website, check it out, and use code 23diesel20 for 20% off. All right, let's get to today's podcast with Mark from Amsoil and talking about diesel fuel. Mark, welcome back to the diesel podcast. I I uh, always enjoy chatting with you. I always learn a lot, whether we're talking about engine oil, transmission fluid, coolant. And I was seeing here recently, I'm like, I haven't chatted with Mark about Amsoil fuel products, diesel fuel products. So I thought it'd be good to talk about why we need them if we have a diesel. Maybe um, yeah, someone listening is brand new. Maybe they come from the gas world. They don't know why or what the benefits are to it. So I look forward to learning about conditioning our fuel and different products you guys have. It is a great topic. One of a uh, um, lot of misinformation on the internet, as you can imagine. Uh, but if you can sift through all that, you will uh, you will find some good resources out there. If there is there's any if there's one thing that you take away from listening to this podcast today, is that if you drive a diesel vehicle and you are not treating your fuel with a fuel additive. You are not treating your baby with the love and affection that it should be. What is every the, diesel vehicle needs diesel fuel additives on an every tank basis. What is what is the main reason for it? Why do we need to do it? So, um, from a variety of reasons, actually. Um, most notably, and the one that probably causes the most pain is seasonal changes temperature. So the temperature in which diesel fuel can continually flow is not the same as gasoline. So refineries have to make formulation changes to diesel fuel to manage cold weather operability. Um, 
And because a refinery only blends fuel to a seasonal average, not the day's temperature, a seasonal average, if you get some drops in temperature based on a cold shift and cold patterns based on a jet stream, you can be stuck. Uh, and what will happen is the fuel in your tank will start, the waxes will start to solidify. They will plug your fuel filter and maybe your fuel lines and it will render your vehicle useless. So from a cold weather operability perspective, lots of people use a proactive approach as a piece of insurance to treat their fuel so that they do not have uh, solidified fuel and a potential opportunity to break down the side of the road. That's like probably the most notable one because it causes the most pain and you see this, you know, in the news and you see trucks standing on the side of the road in cold temperatures and you can pretty much point out if there's a diesel vehicle on the side of the road in the wintertime because the guy had fuel that wasn't rated for the temperatures that he's driving through. Um, outside of that, um, the other probably most notable one out there, and it's in combination in bits and pieces, is that when this country decided to go to ultra-low sulfur diesel, which is 15 ppm sulfur diesel, people started to experience some negative um, effects from ultra-low sulfur diesel, in which then they attributed it to the lack of sulfur in the fuel. That's well, not exactly accurate. Although we removed sulfur um, because it can cause some uh, greenhouse gas issues that we don't want, and acid rain issues we don't want, um, the desulfurization process at the refinery level strips a lot of the materials that were great for lubricating your fuel pump and your injectors. So people have started to see fuel pump problems, <clears throat> the CP4 pump problem that's out there. Uh, I can't, I cannot claim with 100% certainty it has to do with USL, USLD fuel but that fuel pump wears because of the pressure that's put under. And if there's not enough lubricity in there, it can wear at an expedient rate. May have something to do with part of its problem. Now, the other problem is injector problems. When your Pinto hammer, hammers its seat um, many times per combustion cycle, uh, today's vehicle is up to seven. If you don't have enough lubricity between those two, uh, either the seat or the pintle will wear. They won't seat according to the way they were designed, and they will leak fuel, which then will result in we're starting, we're power, um, rough running operations, smoke, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there are, there are some big reasons out there that speak to either immediate pain stranding you in the cold weather or some long-term maintenance issues to your vehicle that you would want to use fuel additives for because the refineries and the fuel stations aren't, they don't have your back to the level that you, that you need to. There is a, there's an industry standard, ASTM D975 dictates what diesel fuel will be in this country but that's kind of the minimum barrier to be considered fuel. Now, 
the fuel that high technology like our vehicles are today, common rails most certainly, they need additional fuel performance, which you're just not going to get at the pump. And I challenge any of you listening to this, next time you go and pick up the green handle, mostly, sometimes a yellow handle, depending on where you're geographically, but look what's published on your pump. Uh, it won't take you very long to read the nothing that is there. So you have no idea what type of fuel quality that you're actually buying. Yeah, that's the big, I think the big unknown with it is we don't know what's going into it. It can change seasonally. And then we have, might have an older truck that was designed around running on a different fuel versus what you can buy now. And then you have the newer trucks that run higher pressures and, have different components on them where it just to me treating the fuel is one of the most important ways that i think you can avoid fuel system issues and it's also maybe even the most unknown as a casual diesel truck owner or somebody who's new to it um, or somebody who's had a truck and it's just run you know really well for a long time um, trying to understand just the variance of it from pump to pump from you know town to town state to state depending on what time what time of year you know you're, you're traveling through it with the kind of questions that you guys get about treating diesel fuel is one of the perceptions that i've picked up on is if i have a newer truck it was designed around this diesel fuel i don't need to run anything versus my 2003 or my 95 or my 97 truck that you know i'm running ulsd on can you talk a little bit about why it's important on newer trucks that were designed and released after the changeover in fuel type yeah so the the, the that's a that's a misnomer that today's fuel is actually designed for today's trucks it's actually quite the it's, it's actually quite the opposite the only thing that today's trucks are designed for to accommodate is biodiesel usage because biodiesel usage can be really hard on elastomers in a fuel system so what they've done is they've redesigned fuel system components to be able to be compatible with up to B20 biofuel, typically. Outside of that, today's fuel is worse for a, a, a common rail engine than it was for an old um, a mechanical injector engine because of the fuel pressure that you are generating by the pump, which is metallic components spinning around, creating pressure that can cause wear, and then trying to ram it through an injector that wants to fire uh, eight times a combustion cycle, seven, eight times a combustion cycle. And by the way, that that pintle is so small today compared to, you know, 20 year old mechanical injector, the force that's on the that surface area is huge. Like today's fuel with today's technology, it's the worst. That's a really good insight because that's what I, that's been my understanding and maybe some others out there is a new truck, you don't got to worry about it because it was, you know, designed to run, you know, with it. So that's a really good piece of information for us to think about is I find a lot of the enthusiasts or people I chat with who you know, are into diesel trucks and things like that. They, 
they might own more than one and they might own an older one and a newer one. Um, and I, I think it's incredibly important to understand how any truck, you know, any diesel truck, you know, can really, really benefit to it. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is, or well, on the topic of fuel quality, is the cleanliness of it. Um, because we hear these terms like, you know, cleaning the fuel system, cleaning the injectors, things like that. I could just imagine, I mean, if, if you don't change the fuel filter in a clean environment, you can totally wreak havoc on the injectors, uh, maybe damage them, have to replace them. So I think, okay, if I'm fueling up this 34-gallon tank or 26-gallon tank, however big it is, how clean is it really and what can I do to make sure I'm not getting, you know, deposits or other things into this fuel system that is so precise, like you mentioned, and running under high pressures and has these really small tolerances? Yeah, that's a that's going to be a problem that's, that is mostly unsolvable by the consumer because you're buying whatever fuel from whatever station. Um, they they probably don't have any uh, filtration um, efficiency ratings on their fuel. Um, you're going to buy it, but your vehicle has a fuel filter on it and. Most of today's vehicles have down to a four micron filter, which is good to help remove particles that can cause abrasive wear in the system. But the probably the more important thing is that when we take fuel from a tank, we pressurize it, put it in a common rail, we suck off that common rail, we pressurize more fuel than we use, and we send it back to the tank. Well, when you pressurize fuel, you generate heat. And when you generate heat in that fuel, it can allow carbon deposits to form and drop out of solution. That's just a function of fuel because it's a carbon chain. You put heat to it, you can actually make that carbon chain break and you can cause deposits inside your tank from cycling fuel that your fuel filter is now forced to deal with. There is, there is detergent chemistry that can help from that problem. It will basically uh, take and um, modify some of that carbon deposit that gets formed and turn it either back into something that's liquid or something that's ultra fine and you never, you know, you never you suffer from that problem. I mean, you'll see some fuel filters today that a guy will say, yeah, I just put this fuel filter in. I took it out 2,000 miles later, and it was black as black. Well, what's happening is you're cycling so much fuel that it's prematurely plugging your fuel filter. So there are detergents out there. Um, in fact, we have them in our products that will help from that problem, um, suffering from that problem. Um, one, of the, one of the other problems that you know, people suffer from is, you know, you talk about cleanliness and that's deposits, but the deposits are more towards the injector, not so much in the tank we just talked about. Although that does happen, the one of the problems that people suffer from are injector related failures. And those failures are because of, again, how we make fuel and if we incorporate bio in our fuel. So there are a lot of states out there that mandate biodiesel usage at a certain percentage. Um, I know in my state, 
during certain times of the year, April to October, it can be up to 20% bio. So although biodiesel has some inherent advantages, like it comes with additional lubricity to protect your fuel pump and your injectors, it comes at a higher cetane index. Problem is it suffers from instability. Uh, it can suffer from um, ingress of water, which can then lead to microbial growth. But more importantly, it suffers from a particular carboxylate that you cannot remove from the fuel because it is now germane to how the fuel was made. When they make biodiesel, they add a sodium catalyst, which creates this metal carboxylate and it cannot be removed from the fuel. And the, and the reason why this is problematic is because that carboxylate forms a deposit on the pintle of your injector and can render your injector sluggish or seized if it gets bad enough. So any people that are running bio in their states they really need to pay attention to run detergents in their fuel on an every tank basis, but only those products that speak to something called IDID deposits, internal and diesel injector deposits. That's the typical lingo that people are using that speaks to the carboxylates that form on the pintle. So there's a detergent that will go in there and clean all those deposits and remove them from the pintle, keeping that injector firing like it should okay so now now i'm understanding you know a, a little bit more about it because i think when you're talking about the quality of diesel fuel i think of being a diesel enthusiast and we've kind of touched on some of these subjects before is we buy a particular truck with an engine because we think it's the best if we have a failure with a transmission we're upgrading that transmission within our budget we want the best parts that we can get same thing with a turbo same thing with all the components that are surrounding our truck but the one thing we can't control is how that diesel fuel is manufactured at the refinery how it's stored what the um you know biodiesel percentage is and so we have this incredible variable and i think why it's so important is the variable that it affects the most can also be one of the most expensive things to fix on a truck, which is injection pump injectors, the labor to do it, how intensive it can be if you can find the parts. And so I think that's really the key as I understand it is we think how easy it is to use a fuel additive. It's super easy to use it, it's super easy to buy it. And comparing that to the headaches of chasing injector issues or <laughs> any of the number of things that can pop up I think that would be probably one of the main, one of the main reasons I would, I would use it is as a preventative to something that can be catastrophic or extremely expensive to fix. It, it is the preventative maintenance approach um, on an every tank basis. It doesn't, it doesn't do your fuel pump or injectors any help if you do it every three tanks or every 3,000 miles or every 5,000 miles. Maybe from a, a cleanliness perspective, it does a massive cleanup, but you want that on an every tank basis so that deposits don't form or don't begin to form. And you're always giving your fuel pump and your injectors the lubricity that they need um, on an every tank basis. I did, a, I did a calculation some years ago on the cost of this. You know, what's the, how much does it cost 
on an annual basis versus what would it cost if I needed to replace all my injectors. And, you know, back in that day, I was using, uh, oh, an injector cost was 800 bucks. I'm sure they're well over a thousand now. And in a V8 configuration, you got eight of them plus some uh, labor, you know, and you're, you're wrapped up in, you know, eight to $9,000 just to replace your injector. Well, on the flip side of that, well, what's the cost of running a fuel additive on an every tank basis? Well, the question is, when do my injectors fail? You know, if I don't use a fuel additive, when will they fail? Or if I do use a fuel additive, when will they fail? Well, that's, that's tough to predict because there's no, there's no science that will demonstrate that repeatedly. But I've seen injectors fail in trucks at 60,000 miles. I've seen injectors fail at trucks at 120,000 miles. And I know trucks that are over 120,000 miles that are running like new, but they've been running fuel out of since day one. So I can't predict the when they will, but if you do just a quick math on, let's assume that your injectors will fail at 120,000 miles. It costs you, if you buy our product, uh, it costs you about 300 bucks a year. Now, if you put on 20,000 miles a year, that's six years, that's 1800 bucks. But 1800 bucks is way cheaper than nine grand. And that's presuming that your injectors, you know, even make it to 120 before having a problem. Again, yeah. I've seen ones that suffer at anywhere between 60, I've seen them at 80, 100, so it's a, it's the preventative approach. It's a more cost-effective approach to make sure you're treating both your pump and your injector. What would you say is the the biggest or one of the biggest misconceptions when people call in and they have questions for you about any of the diesel fuel treatment, either products or issues that are out there? What's something really common people ask or, or you wish that they knew before they called? It, well, that's a gr that's a great question, right? Because m most people that call that are they're willing to pick up the phone and ask you a question, they kind of already know that fuel additive should be used. It's just now, which ones, what time of year, and from whose brand, right? Now, which ones and what time of year? That's the really easy questions, right? Well, you should be using them every every calendar month of the year. And in the winter times, you should be using fuel additives that contain cold flow improvers. Now it comes down to which brand. And you're like, well, what makes your brand better than X, Y, or Z brand? You know, they're proclaiming they treat four times as much fuel and get the same benefits as you proclaim over here. And the, the tough thing about the fuel additive industry is there's a lot of marketers of fuel additives. And they all use words like gains up to. And they use the up to a lot. And the reality of it is, is if you can take that fuel out of and run it through some ASTM standard test, the up to is, um, well, they won't always provide that, um, but they will in some fuels. The problem with this, 
not the problem of this country, but if you're gonna try to make a fuel additive for this country and you want a one size solution for all everybody, you have lots of different fuel sources to uh, have to accommodate. And the fuel in that they may be made in California versus um, Minnesota versus Illinois versus Pennsylvania, although they need to meet ASTM D975, depending on where the crude oil comes from, whether it's Canada, North Dakota, the Balkan, et cetera, Texas, whatever, um, they that crude will produce different quality fuel. Some fuel crudes will just produce a better fuel above what ASTM D975 provides. So as a fuel mark, fuel additive marketer, I need to make sure that I'm taking basically the worst fuel, something that just meets ASTM D975. And when I treat it to my recommendation, I guarantee that you're getting those results because you don't know what you're getting at the pump. One day you might get lucky in one state and get a, a load of fuel that was really good. And the next day it could be completely the opposite. Um, so I design my additives to be able to speak to really the lowest performing fuel in the country to make sure when I treat it, I'm giving you the best of detergency and the concentrations you need, the best lubricity and the concentrations that you need. You know, cold flow and a high concentration to protect yourself from not getting stuck on the side of the road. We really over-concentrate our additives to protect you from the unknown of wherever the fuel is from whatever refinery it came from that month. So it would really be, and I imagine it's really tough, like a, a truck owner, we're not gonna, we might know a little bit about everything or a lot about one or two subjects, but fuel quality and where crude comes from and just how much it can varies would be really tough for us to have a concept of before we call you guys. The other, the other tricky thing about that is just because the fuel may be made in Minnesota this week, that fuel goes into the pipeline and it can be transferred to Texas and it can be sold there. So fuel gets traded in pipelines every single day in this country. And you just don't know where the fuel is coming from in any given month. One of the questions I have that I, I struggle with understanding its relationship to performance because I see it a lot out there is cetane. What, what is that and why should I pay attention to it as it relates to driving my truck every day, using it for work, um, you know, just everyday uses? What does it mean? So your cetane improver, um, cetane index of a, is a measurement of uh, cetane in your fuel. It, the cetane in your fuel um, improves the efficiency of combustion. So as you atomize fuel and all those micro droplets that are getting blasted in your combustion chamber, cetane improves its combustion in cylinder. It's why you, and for this reason, you will hear people say, man, I, you put this cetane improver in my truck, feels like it's got more power. Well, when, when Ford designs an engine and proclaims it makes 400 horsepower, it makes 400 horsepower. Um, it's just that you're capturing more of that every droplet burn in the combustion chamber instead of some of that actually making it out the exhaust valve into the manifold. 
So then it feels like I have more power because I'm burning more of the power where it matters in cylinder. So people that people that want this this reaction, they want this uh, feeling of more power, will typically use cetane improvers, um, or they like the um, the reaction it has in colder weather and the ability to start and fire that engine. You know, it does have an improvement in starting cable. You know, older engines that smoke more, you know, again, more burning of the fuel and cylinder and less burning out the pipe uh, is better. So they'll, they'll use C10 improver for that. Um, it isn't, it's the additive of the ones that are available for diesel fuel additives that is probably the one that people pick and choose whether they want it or not. You don't need to have it. Some people want that feeling um, and they want the, the perception of the power that it's producing or the better starting that it is that it is providing. But its overall goal is just to try to burn all those droplets in cylinder instead of elsewhere. Is there, with the, the, the way that fuel is made, is there a certain rating that it should be at or like a minimum? How we were talking about a quality it needs to be made to, is there a minimum that exists? Yeah, 40. So the ASTM standard dictates it needs to be over 40. Um, again, depending on where the fuel comes from and where the crude comes from, you could have cetane uh, values of in the 50s um, straight from the refinery, unadditized. That's just because the crude at that point, that's what it could generate. Um, or you could have 40. If you, <laughs> if you ran 40 fuel... And then you ran, you did some tests, you did some polls, or you did something, and then you back to back ran a 50 fuel or a 55 fuel, you'll notice the difference. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the major takeaways that I'm learning from this is there's so much variance out there that I just don't know, like later today when I fuel up, I don't know what I'm getting, <laughs> you know? I just know that <laughs> I put my card in, fuel it up, leave, that's it, but I have no... No idea to cetane rating, really, you know, really any of it. And I think taking that variable out is what would help help me know that I'm protecting my truck, which I want to do. I have had to do injector jobs before, and I think it was because, you know, it's a truck I didn't buy new. I bought it from somebody else. They weren't on top of their maintenance. You know, I looked at the fuel filter, and I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be, you know, a project. And shortly after, I'm doing injectors on it. So that's what I think you know, we all want to avoid. I did notice, I, I was looking around on the, the website and I saw the all in the diesel all in one that Amsoil has. And what I really liked about it is it had everything in one bottle for me. So I didn't need to really even think I could just, you know, see how much I use for the, the given dosage and the ejector clean, the cetane boost, the cold flow, all those things are already in there. So I think that makes it really convenient for people. We've, we've tried to do the um, ultra convenience approach, right? Uh, we, have, we also have them individually in bottles. So if you just want a cold flow improver, you can just buy that. If you just want a cetane improver, you can just buy that. You can buy a combination of detergent and lubricity together, buy that bottle. You can buy one that contains detergent, lubricity, and cetane, that's a combination. And then we do what's the all-in-one. So that has detergents, lubricity, cetane, 
cold foam prover at the concentrations that the, the, the potent concentrations that we think that, that the, the industry needs based on the fuel that's out there. And we've gone one step further then and we put it into packaging, you know, it's a small bottle that you can just dump into your one tank and then throw it in the uh, receptacle there at the fuel station. So there's no, there's no trying to figure out how many ounces do I need to put into my fuel tank again? Man, I don't even know how much, how big my fuel tank really is. Um, so we try to do that for you as well. I, I like that. I like that approach because I live in a climate where we do get snow in the winter. Um, it's hot in the summertime. It varies. I just don't want to do the math or I don't want to have a bunch of things in my garage. I just want one, one product I use. And I use it year round and I just don't have to think about it. So I think that makes it really easy, really easy to understand. And you know, we're chatting a little bit about the pot before the podcast about different types of diesel vehicles that are out there. And, you know, my headspace has been in the performance side, the enthusiast side for so long. And we we're chatting about like, what about half ton diesels? What about a Volkswagen? What about some of these other vehicles where you cross over from a gas truck and now you've got a, you know, Silverado 1500 with a three liter or an eco diesel or something like that. And they may not even know any of the things we talked about with diesel fuel, the variants of it, deposits, wax, cold flow, um, you know, gelling up all those sorts of things. And so I hope somebody that, that may be new or, or has, um, you know, is brand new to diesel really picks up on just how much variance there is in the fuel quality and things we can do to take that variable out. Cause we don't like it in anything else. We don't like a variable shift on our transmission or a flare. We don't like, you know, when a turbo, um, you know, chatters or we're getting turbo surge, um, anything else, but the one, and we can control it for the most part, unless, you know, there's a major issue, but we have no control over how diesel fuels manufactured. Right. And it has a, um, a very large impact on the reliable, the reliability of your fuel system and its longevity. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me about it. I've learned so much through a bunch of these different topics we've covered gosh, over the years with um, like the last one we're chatting about engine oil, which I encourage people to listen to if they have it, um, transmission fluid, coolant, and then diesel fuel. And I mean, we even chatted about gear oil before and the importance of that but i think i think fuel treatment is one of the things we can tend to overlook because it's so common we're fueling up uh, we think we're getting a good product um, we think it's made to a standard that doesn't vary a lot but it, it really can and it's just an easy way to be able to protect and avoid like we mentioned um you know the study or the write-up that you did the cost of an injector repair which the newer trucks they keep getting more and more expensive um, to do than the older ones <laughs> right I appreciate your time today, Mark, chatting with me, educating me, helping me understand a bit more, and look forward to chatting you, chatting with you again in the future about uh, more ways to make our trucks drive better and, and do it for longer than they do stock. Sounds good. Thanks for being on the podcast. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and head on over to kershaw.kausa.com. If you're in the market for a knife or PDC, hunting, fishing, um, something to use at work, around the house, they've got a ton of different products for you. And we really appreciate appreciate them offering a discount code just for you guys. So if you use code 23diesel20, you get 20% off site-wide. They've got a, a ton of new models and a bunch of different knives to really meet any budget. 
that you may have, or if you're a knife enthusiast and love different types of handle materials, opening mechanisms, they've got something for you. Their newest models are the Duralock, which have a D2 steel blade. Um, there's a bunch of different designs um, for handle materials. It opens super smooth, so it keeps your fingers away from the blade when you're opening and closing it. Something great to throw in a pocket, toolbox, have around the house. And uh, like I said, we really appreciate them offering that discount code just for you guys. I also want to give a shout out to some of our Patreon supporters. Tyler Lowen at 23 Diesel, J. Cole John, all of our other Patreon supporters, all of you who watch on YouTube or listen on podcast apps or on our Discord or follow us on social media. We appreciate your support here in year seven of the Diesel Podcast and look forward to bringing you more great content that you want to listen to. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.